Welcome everyone to another episode of You'll Never Talk Alone. Coming out of the international break and coming off of the resurgence of Adam Lalana, a podcast favorite player, <laughs> Adam Lalana. We are here to talk about everything going uh, coming out of the, the rivalry matchup against Manchester United and into a European matchup against Hank Hill. Uh, I am your friend Joseph Craven. I'm joined by Alex Level. I'm joined by Andrew Ainsworth. Ooh. And it's just the normal crew here tonight. Nothing special happening. No one, no one unexpected being here on the on the recording session at all. It's just the three of us as it typically is. And oh my, what? Hold on. No, it's not. Who is that I spy? Is that Zach Osborne? Yay, it's me. <laughs> hey. Oh man. Zach Osborne making his contractually obligated minimum amount of appearances on the podcast so far. I'm just here so I don't get fined. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So I guess first things first, we have to deal with the fact that the winning streak in the Premier League is officially over. Still not a defeat, but the winning streak itself is over. And it would have been a defeat if not for the magical appearance of Adam freaking Lalana. <laughs> Who, of course, he was the hero. Of course. We we have the running joke in our text thread with each other. As soon as he gets subbed into any match, we say, oh, well, thank God we have Adam Lalana. And this time around, yeah, thank God we had Adam Lalana, apparently. Um, <laughs> wow, interesting. All right, so the match itself, let's talk about uh, some of the details, um, I'll start with in alphabetical order as we have customarily done. Uh, speak a little bit about um, Alex, the uh, the match itself, and uh, I guess in particular, I know you're probably itching to talk about uh, Manchester United's man of the match, Martin Atkinson. Uh, he, he is going to take over the captain's armband from Ashley Young after this season, was clearly their best player on the day um he i i was i'm still just so mad about how bad his performance was and sure the var did not go in our favor in this match and people are complaining about that but let's also complain about just the piss poor performance from the referee that is continually piss poor and his officials I mean, it was just awful it helped with their game plan um, to break up anything positive we did. And it allowed them to get away with it, which made their game plan work even better because we did not get anything out of the fouls and the everything that we got called for and stuff that we didn't do, we got called for. So, I mean, it, it completely affected the game. It completely turned the game. If you, if you watch that match, there's no way that we have over two times as many fouls as they do in the run of play. But that's what happened. That's what was called. And he got caught up in the atmosphere. He got caught up in the stadium. And it was just an embarrassment. And I wonder if Stevie G calling him out in his autobiography has something to do with Martin Atkinson hating us forever. But it's kind of starting to seem like that. Because whenever we have him, it's just terrible. It's that relationship between like premier league players and premier league officials has to be a weirdly personal relationship. You know what I mean? Like 
if the fans know the names of the Premier League officials and kind of know the records that they bring into and the attitudes they bring in, I can't imagine what it's like for the players um, to have that sort of thing. Like you just mentioned, you know, Stephen Gerrard calling him out in his autobiography. That sort of that's got to be weird. Yeah, uh, but he deserved the call out because he is terrible. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a an awfully lopsided match to say the least. Um, and it cracks me up a bit because if you log into the greatest soccer website in the world, ESPN FC, uh, the headline that they have is, did Manchester United show the rest of the league the formula to stop Liverpool? And I'm like, if the formula is foul like crazy and get away with it, then yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But- I mean, it impressed the NBC crew. They were having, I think they needed like four or five changes of pants when they were talking about United. Mm-hmm. It was just... It was just bad. It was just frustrating, stupid match all the way around. Yeah, I still feel like I was watching a different broadcast than you because I don't think I noticed that as badly. So I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Um, Andrew, you uh, you made a comment uh, to us in the text thread that I want to kind of pick your brain about right now um, and kind of your dissatisfaction with um, – with the match in that like this should have been knowing the the extent of the rivalry and how much the teams hate each other kind of feeling like this should have been the match that Liverpool came out like most willing and ready to just absolutely destroy an opponent and i mean for all of the officiating talk that we are throwing out here you know Liverpool did not really play super well in most facets of the game uh, I mean, what's your take on it here, Andrew? Obviously, you've got to play better. It's a rivalry game. It's the biggest match that we have. You've got to come out and be like the the dominant team. You want to be the team that wins this to be the guy, you know, like everyone wants to go into work and talk about it the next day. You don't want to have to like shy away from it. You don't want to have to think about this game and like worry about it every single year. It's a rivalry game. You want to be excited about it. Yet we go into it every single year and we're worried about it. And we think we're probably going to get a tie. We're probably going to lose but it's not because we think we're the worst team. It's because we know the game's just going to be a house the whole time. And it's going to be terrible. Klopp came out and, and after the game and made the point, like we, we go out every single time to play and they're there to defend and, and score on the counter and be that team that just bothers you instead of coming out to play, like a, and watch a good game. That's why everyone gets excited about like watching Spurs, watching Man City. Like the games are going to be open. It's going to be exciting. Whenever we watch Man U, it's just boring as hell. It's like these games are just fouls over and over and over again. And you see it in a, you know, whenever if, if we have Martin Atkinson who isn't going to make those calls for us while making those same calls for Man U, it, we don't really get a chance to get into the flow of our normal game plan in the first place. Like, uh, I think there was a, a foul missed in the first, I think, like three or four minutes there where we had the ball on pretty close to the touchline 
and, and they fouled us and got away with it. And then it happened again, like, at, you know, 15 minutes later where we have great set piece spots and we get fouled and nothing happens yet. You know, man, you can push people around and kick people in the shins and score and, and goals don't get called back because Martin Atkinson is is almost like you're going to have to mute this too big of a see to make the calls that he needs to make. It's it's so frustrating to to go into these games and like be so excited to to try to win and like be able to, to you know talk smack to all your friends and then it's always like a a one one tie and it's so boring and you just sit there like wishing you had more. I would rather tie three three in an exciting game just like anyone else, but this is. It's just never, never a fun game to watch. And, and with that, no matter how they come out, you look at that squad, not one single one of their players would make our starting 11, and we've got to win. That's It's simple. They're a mid-table team right now. We've got to win that. That's it, plain and clear. That's uh. That's my rant. I think the episode's over now, honestly. I'm sorry, Zach, that we didn't get to you, but I think Andrew shut it down. Um, you would really, like, you would have thought, wished, and hoped that maybe the the nonsense from United would have ended with uh, Jose Mourinho being shown the door, but then you have this this match, which is, like, just kind of a dragged out, you know, kind of dull performance of just a team trying to bother another team into messing up or something like that, you know? Um, and, and it's interesting being in a position here and, and Zach, I'm kind of curious about your, your thoughts kind of uh, big picture considering the state of the two clubs right now. And one team that seems to be, um, <clears throat> well, I don't want to once again reference The Athletic on a podcast, but I will because apparently all I do is sit around reading Liverpool <laughs> articles on The Athletic all the time, um, and that's it. But they had an interesting uh, write-up uh, talking about how this match was a little bit reminiscent of some of the Liverpool and United matches in the 90s when Liverpool was the massive powerhouse um, on the way down and United was a uh, coming back up after a few decades of not being that great. And this is kind of looking like a, a kind of a mirror image of that. Maybe Liverpool being an obviously better team United sliding down, but United trying to just bother Liverpool into a somewhat negative result. Zach, what do you think about the the state of these two teams and this, this intense hatred between the two of them, um, you know, in general and how it's kind of reflected in this, final score line and you gave all of them softballs <laughs> and then you ask me like to wax philosophical on the state of these two clubs yeah well like I i've thought... got something important to say <laughs> i was trying to like give you like the benefit of the doubt of being a guy that probably has the ability to wax philosophical <laughs> But also, it's punishment for you showing up like at yeah. the last second after telling Jesus. us that you weren't going to be able to make it to the recording okay. session. So, I mean, uh, first of all, 
I've got to say, regardless of um, the the poor officiating, regardless of of sort of this narrative that we are clearly embracing, and I'm fine with the idea that United is a team that tries to bother us. We've used that verb several times. They try to impede progress. They play quite defensively. Their play is very negative. I get all of that, but watching. Uh, you know, I saw much more of the, the first half than I saw of the second. And it appeared to me that, that Man United was, was the team in the first half, at least, that um, uh, seemed to care a bit more, was playing with a bit more urgency, a little bit more bite. Uh, they were, uh, they had way more chances in the first half, and they, they came out uh, looking to spoil our party. Uh, and, I was disappointed that it, it took us quite a while to react to that and to try to answer the level of intensity that United was bringing. And I think you can look at that element of United's performance in a vacuum, uh, regardless of the officiating and the other things that were going on. They seemed to want it more, at least in the portions of the game that I was watching. Um, in terms of the big picture... I tend to think that like uh, those those big storylines comparing the current state of Liverpool and the current state of United to uh, narratives from both the clubs in their past and trying to link this into some grand story about the evolution of football or, or the evolution of these two clubs, I kind of think it's mostly just there to get clicks and to make people more interested. I don't understand why it can't just be a rivalry, a game that is obviously important to both fan bases. Um, you know, I watched the, uh, what was the name of the the little mini doc that Liverpool put out? Us versus that, them. Us versus them. Uh, I really enjoyed the part of that documentary I appreciated the most was when the fans from, from both fan bases sort of acknowledged that these are two very similar communities, very working class, that when you remove football and the rivalry from the equation, there's not much of a difference at all between the people of Manchester and the people of Liverpool, but that it is this rivalry that creates this intense division and passion about this fixture. I love that, but also there's a part of me that um, – wants to to push back on any sort of greater narrative about where Liverpool is headed and where United is headed. You know, it's a football game. And I think Andrew is right in that uh, there was every indication that we should have dominated this match from start to finish. And for whatever reason, um, you know, I think if Liverpool had gone out there and been the best version of Liverpool that we know we can be, we would have, overcome the terrible officiating we would have overcome united's negative uh, approach to the game the the simple fact at the end of the day is we were not at our best and we suffered for it uh, and and that's for me the main the main point to take away um yeah so there's i don't know i don't know if i waxed philosophical or not but it was poetic i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to like screenshot Instagram post that later on. I feel like please do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, I'm with you. Like 
I wanted to get a, a quick, you know, kind of round in first where we talked about just some, you know, little uh, some of the facts of the the match and uh, the the poor officiating being part of it and um, kind of the at, I don't know everything. But I, yeah, no, I'm with you on it in that when the match like that ends, there's relief that Lalana is able to get a late equalizer. But like you don't, you still don't feel happy about it because every, as you just said, every indication should have been that this should have been a pretty uh, solid Liverpool victory. Um, even down to the fact that not long before the match, United had a an injury that forced them to switch up to a a three back, um, you know, formation, a, a three four one two, as opposed to what they had like their their team sheet at first initially said. Um, seemed like this should have been an opportunity to jump on that, and the team came out. Um, I wonder if there were some, without having Mohamed Salah, if there was a little bit of lack of chemistry between the attacking three that we've gotten used to between Mane, Salah, and Firmino. I've always you know, been very vocal about how I feel like chemistry is a massively important thing. Um, and but, but I don't know. There were a lot of factors, and one of those factors being at the end of the day that, you know, Liverpool did in so many different areas get outplayed by United. Um, not like in a, oh my gosh, like they dominated us sort of an outplaying sort of thing, but just a, they did a lot of things slightly better than we were doing. Um, and everything else lined up for them to benefit from that. Um, in any competition, I mean, you have your own performance, you have officiating, you have a little bit of luck. Like those are three factors that go into it. And, you know, Liverpool really couldn't get much in any of those areas um, outside of at the very end, Lalana making the correct, you know, uh, late rebounding positioning off of a, a, you know, a ball there to be able to deflect it into the goal. Um, so, yeah, I guess it, all that being said, you know, it's not, it's not a positive result. And it's not a result I think anyone feels happy about. Uh, you know, the best we can feel is, well, it's a relief that we didn't completely screw that up. But now it brings back maybe some dark memories of last season of when uh, we had a lead and some draws really cut into that lead um, and all of that. So, I mean, Alex, how are you actually feeling in light of, the match. I guess that's kind of the next place to go. We've looked at some of the facts of the match. How are you actually reacting to it? Um, I mean, it's frustrating, obviously, but we're still in a good position. I think it was, I know we said it after the Napoli game, but this is the league now, and this is a wake-up call that this team needed, that no, even if your rivals are in a weak position, no one's just going to roll over and take it from you, and someone has to step up. And I think the two thing, two other scenarios I was thinking of while watching most of this match was the first half against Arsenal and the match, uh, to, I guess it's three seasons ago now, with Toxic Thunder, when we played Burnley away and we had all of the ball and we lost 2-0 because what we ended up doing in both of those scenarios was someone was sitting back or someone was defending deep and no one wanted to step up and do something about it. Uh, all they did was cycle it out to the fullbacks to whip in crosses that we were not going to ever win because we were playing against giants. They may not be the best defenders that we were playing against in any of those games, but they are tall 
and we are not tall. And when we had just players that weren't on their game, I mean, Origi couldn't get a first touch to save his life. Bobby was off. Mane was having to do a lot more than he should have and going all over the place to try to make up for people failing to deliver in other areas. We just didn't have anyone until we made those subs that would take a chance and get in the box. And that's how we scored. It was Navi driving through the middle, hesitating a little bit, not doing the typical, I get the ball, I instantly need to look out to my fullback, which was happening every possession before that one play. And that's how we scored because spaces opened up. And I'm not saying it was just Navi because Ox was doing that as well. He was going through the middle. He was varying up the attack. He was keeping the defense honest because we it showed the risk that we are so reliant on our fullbacks that we can become incredibly predictable and not in a way that is we're predictable, now try to stop us. It's predictable and we're desperate and we're trying to get a goal. And we saw a little bit of that against Sheffield, but it ended up working in our favor. And this time it sort of ended up working in our favor, but we played like crap for most of the match. And had we not, we had someone willing to step up and take a chance and do something different besides passing the intent onto Alexander Arnold and Robertson every time, I think we probably could have done a little bit more and gotten something out of this game. Alex, I'm also curious, what did you think of the fact that our, our go-to offensive tactic was um, was a, a like early lofted cross from much farther out than we typically get on the wings? Uh, yeah, it was strange. It was a little strange. It seemed very intentional that they weren't trying to beat their man and get to the end line and kind of drive in those negative angle balls that work better rather than whipping in a flighted, positive angle ball against defenders that are much better in the air. Uh, I, I don't, I didn't really understand it, but that was, it was uh, kind of a product of that was our plan. And that was going to be the plan no matter what, because no one was willing to do anything else. So it just kept it compounding and compounding and getting worse and worse. So I, it seemed by design, I'm assuming we were trying to win knockdowns and second balls, but we just, could never get them. I I kind of wondered if it was like a byproduct of what the plan was initially going to be before maybe United switched to a three back and we just kind of were like, well, you know what? Let's stick with it. It should probably still work. You know, it, it seemed a little bit odd to keep doing it over and over again. But then again, that's also been the Liverpool way. Uh, a lot of times yeah. under Klopp is who cares if it looks odd, we're going to keep doing it over until eventually it works. Um, Andrew, we've talked a little bit about the frustrations that come out of the match here. Do you think that there was anyone who came, obviously Adam Lallana is the greatest <laughs> of all time for that, uh, that equalizer. But um, do you see anyone in the Liverpool lineup that, that did do well and needs to get some credit that maybe we're, uh, we haven't had the time to give credit to yet? You know, I think with as little as he had to work with, I think Mane was still, even though he's probably our best player, was still great the whole game. He didn't really have much cover. Firmino wasn't that good. He scored the goal that was called back at VAR uh, incorrectly. We'll throw it out there. Um, gonna gonna be the the first Liverpool podcast to say that that goal should not have been overturned. 
You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. Um, I mean, like, uh, I did. I didn't watch the game and like get excited about really anyone at all. Like, uh, I I don't really know what to say other than that. No one was like had it had an amazing game. Uh, I I think it has to do with tactics, like Alex was saying. Like we we were they were very compact. We were just passing the ball. We were cycling through, going back to those, um, going back to the fullbacks and and taking that deep cross every single freaking time. Like I, I texted into the group questioning it because you know Trent had. Um, Henderson coming in towards the end of the game, once we were in the second half, taking that ball, going further towards the touchline, but he was just passing it right back to Trent, and Andy didn't have anyone there. He was just going back and forth, and especially at the end, it was he and Keita, I believe, just like sitting at the top corner of the box, passing it back and back and forth and waiting when it's like you got to score a goal here. Ox came in actually and, and was very positive now that I'm thinking about it. Um, he was actually taking a shot there that Jeannie wasn't taking earlier in the match that we definitely could have used to, to keep them uh, from, from playing so safe and compact in the box. But there was no one that exciting, I hate to say Our- are we are we surprised that it was Ox who came in and started taking some of those shots? Considering how many times on the podcast we've made the comment about Ox being the only member of the team that takes those kind of shots. <laughs> I was shocked. No, I'm not. But Jeannie took those shots literally last week in the international game. And yeah, what is a why, banger? Why is why is there it. a discrepancy between Jeannie's Liverpool form and his international form? What's what's going on there? I don't think it's form. I think it's responsibility. Yeah, he's, I agree. A, he's, a, he's asked to just play an entirely different role for his national team. And I mean, I mean, I don't want to I'm getting my words in first before Alex comes in and goes, well, actually, here's all the ways that you're wrong. <laughs> you know? um, but I think that's all it is, is that he's just he's asked to do a completely different thing for the Dutch team than he is for Liverpool. And he's just not the type of personality who's going to do anything outside of what he's asked to do. I mean, the main thing is he probably knew that he was nominated for the Ballon d'Or before this match and was like, I'm not going to do anything ever again. I don't need to. I've already been considered one of the best players in the world, so I'm not going to do anything. Uh, but really, yeah, uh, Joseph, you're completely right. He's he's playing as a true number 10 for the, the Netherlands, and he is not doing that for us. He is He's by far the most hamstrung player, I would say, tactically in our team because he's asked to do so much for other people and isn't really asked to do much for himself. And he kind of epitomizes the hard work and get it to the fullbacks mentality that we have where he's constantly covering, constantly trying to win the ball back. And most of the time, I mean, we saw it a little bit. There was like a 10 minute period where he would beat one or two players and he did have a shot, even though it was from the exact same area where he scored a blinder like you said, a week ago, and he hit it like a small child against United. But I mean, he, he is he's really just there to serve others in our team. And that's almost what both of our eights are in our midfield. Henderson does it as well. Um, but I mean, when you see 
Ox come in, he interprets it a little bit differently. And you could, the different interpretation, you can see why these players, well, Ox, for one, why he thrives. And, and two, why we brought in someone like Keita. And three, why we even put in someone like Adam Lallana. Because Adam Lallana took that chance and got in the box and was there to tap that ball in, which no one else had been the entire match. So as much as I do not like him on this team, fair play to him for actually having the balls to go in there and be in a position to score. So I, some at some point, something will have to be maybe tweaked a little bit because we're becoming almost too much of a distilled version of what made us win the Champions League last year. And when teams don't come out to play against us, the get it out wide and use that as our attack method doesn't really work unless you open them up and make defenders shift to cover a potential threat centrally and at the top of the box and through the middle. And we saw that against Arsenal. That was what I thought about the first half because we were doing that consistently against Arsenal. And then when we made adjustments, we destroyed them. The uh, I do think it is, and I want to get back to Adam Alana for just a real second, or a real second, a quick second here real fast. Uh, uh, but, you know, he was, he is not like an impactful player necessarily at this stage in his career. Um, but he is, uh, he still is a, a player who knows like the runs to make. Um, and he, he demonstrated it there. Like he understood the correct positioning. Like he's, he's been a coachable guy. So like he knows where he needs to be to, to be around the, you know, and benefit his other teammates. Um, and while he may not be an impact sub um, in, in most of the traditional senses, I think it's important that, you know, the team is able to actually rely at least a little bit on players that come off the bench to do those sort of things. We mentioned Ox came on and started to make uh, some of the shots, changing the flow of the game a little bit. Lalana changed the flow of the game a little bit. Keita even came in um, in, you know, not a, a massive amount of time, but I feel like, you know, he still, well, truth be told, he didn't necessarily do a huge amount more that, like, Genie hadn't already done from a style standpoint, but you know, it was fresh legs at least, but you know, we have at least a few guys coming off the bench that um, are able to uh, maybe not be like the impact subs that we're really hoping for, but are still guys that come in and offer a change of pace that has been a little bit helpful. So I guess kind of with that in mind, knowing that, okay, maybe, maybe the momentum was a little thrown off um, missing Mohamed Salah. Maybe, uh, Arigi is just not cutting. Kind of, maybe we were a little too fullback dependent, but with you know a little bit, a little bit slightly more reliable, if not you know really impressive depth. Zach, do you does this still strike you as um, you know now that we've made it through? What was this match week nine ten? Which one was this? I think it's nine. This was nine. Yeah, it was sixty nine. Uh, <laughs> nice. Um, so at through match week nine. Uh, we're really starting to have a, a better understanding of the identities of all of the teams in the Premier League. You know, United being a team that is not looking great and Liverpool being a team that has looked like, you know, legit championship favorites right now. Zach, I mean, what, what's your take on Liverpool, the team, in light of this season and what we are uh, – are we still – um, a, a, a title favorite. Yeah, absolutely. 
we we certainly are. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, be the expected pessimist because we drew with United. Um, I honestly thought we would have done it before this fixture. I hate that it was United that we had to only get a point from, uh, but it is kind of incredible that we started the season the way we did. Um, I think it's important that we rebound now and keep the lead against uh, City because it's usually the months of December and January where we really begin to struggle. And I think those are going to be the key uh, the key part of the season. If we can make it through the holidays uh, and still have a bit of a gap or a, a slight cushion against City, uh, then, then we may be able to do it. Um, but I'm not going to like sound the alarm because we – dropped points for the first time in October. The fact that it was United makes it feel worse, but uh, we are still clearly the best team in the Premier League at this time. City still has major question marks, especially in defense. And uh, there's nothing that's going to make me panic yet. Uh, Alex, Andrew, like – what are y'all's thoughts on the on the same issue, real quick? And then we'll look ahead to uh, our next Champions League match. Yeah, I mean we're still title favorites. We're still a very good team. We just need to make sure that we stay focused and don't get discouraged by this result, and that we don't kind of solve the problem by leaning into what we tried to do even more and saying it was just an off day. Just make sure that this is – we saw against United the power of the full squad. And, again, this is something Lalana said after the match that I totally agreed with. So this is the Lalana Lovin episode. But he said that if we're going to win the title, it's going to take the whole squad, not just the mm-hmm. starters. And that is absolutely true. And we don't just need carbon copies of the same people unless they're – Sadio Mane, Bobby Firmino, uh, Virgil van Dijk, etc. But th- it's going to take the whole team and every skill variance that they bring, and we need to start seeing a little bit more of that. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think we'll see more of that as we uh, as the players get a little bit more tired. But nine games in, still undefeated, you still have to be the favorites. We haven't played City. We've got a chance to play them at home in November. We could easily win that and go up, you know, nine points before Christmas, before that long run of games where we're playing twice a week. So while I'm upset that we tied Man U, especially the worst Man U team in 30 years, um, it, it's it's fine. We don't don't have any issues right now. We just need to to go out and, and play. You, I, I'm sure that midfield's getting tired. They've played a lot. Fabinho was was definitely hampered there with on, on a yellow, you know, more than half the game. So it, it's just a game that sucks and it's it's difficult to watch. But I don't. I don't really have uh, too much of a issue with our point total or anything like that right now. That's for sure. 
it's it, it seems a little bit difficult to look at it and see it as much of anything other than one unfortunate result. And uh, when when a trend starts to come up is when we can have our really depressed and anxious podcast. But this is not going to be that one quite yet. Exactly. And we are an arsenal. So right. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's look ahead then um, at the uh, match against Racing Hink. I believe that's how you actually pronounce it. Hink. Um, who knows at this point? Nerd. There's no way that we're ever going to actually get it correct. It doesn't matter what we say. We are going to get it wrong somehow. So, um, But yes, I will take that. Zach, thank you. Uh, this is the, the final, our, our final opponent, you know, that we hadn't seen yet in our group here in, this, in the group stage. And uh, pretty much understood to you know likely be the weakest opponent in the group stage 6-2 lost to Salzburg when they met earlier uh but actually drew against Napoli which is interesting so this is a team that you know it, we would all pretty much be lying if we said that we knew much about them uh even Alex I'm pretty sure so Let's start things off the only way that we really know how to, and that's with a crest exam. Because with with a few of these Champions League opponents, I mean, with Salzburg and with uh, with Racing Hank here, we have not had a chance to do either a crest exam or for kits and giggles with either of these teams. So we get to do both of them, which is wonderful. So let's talk about this, this crest here. Um, I mean, it strikes me as a little bit more of something you'd see from uh, some sort of, I don't know, pharmaceutical company as a logo uh, instead of a, 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 you know, a team, but I don't know. Uh, Alex, we'll start with you in the crest exam. What do you think of this? Um, I know this is my typical put down, but it looks like uh, a filler crest from Pez when they couldn't get the rights to the team. Uh, especially <laughs> when you look at their whirling dervish crest that they used to have, which I really liked, which was a hurricane with a soccer ball in the middle. This just looks like it was thrown together by an intern in Photoshop right before a meeting when some C-level executive showed up drunk and was like, I don't have my work done. You put something together or you're fired. And he did. And that's what they ended up with. So, I think it's a crap crest. Wow. Harsh words right off the bat. Andrew? It's pretty boring. It's just a big G. I, I don't, it, it, I kind of like that there's a shield in the middle. Um, Why don't it, the stripes go all the way up? Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when you're looking down at it, you can't see it. <laughs> No, it, it, it's it's pretty boring. I mean, it's not like it, it definitely looks like an MLS crest almost for for sure. It's just yeah, um, crap. Yeah, it's it's crap for sure. But you know, it could be worse. Could be worse. Zach, 
Ryan us out here. What's yeah, your take it, on on this one? It looks like if you were like searching for a graphic design company to to do some work for your business and you found one that's like been defunct since 2016 and this would be the top entry on their like our work page. <laughs> it's crap. It's it is it's, it's crap. <laughs> It just is. It just is. And then they have this this logo that looks like like a rejected Olympic logo that has the swirlies. That's the one Alex likes. Yeah? You like that one? Yeah, I like the here I am, Rocky like a hurricane. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, I hate you for that. Um, not enough to, like, mute you. <laughs> But it's I still hate you for it. I say I don't like that one. That I don't like that one either. I, I think that one it makes me think of like the '96 Atlanta Olympics is what it makes me think of. I don't know why. Well, see, I think it's so bad that it's good. Like it looks oh. like something that <laughs> Americans playing soccer in the early '90s would have had on their rec team jerseys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what makes it so great. <laughs> Do you think they they did it poorly on purpose because they think it's funny? Is that what it is? I think so. And it <laughs> looks like on some of them, there was a subtitle under the crest that said, we're magic. What? <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I see that now. What? <laughs> you know what? Never mind. The fact that it says you're magic instantly makes that one a best crest for me. And the other one is crap. We're magic, baby. All right. Well, we've got to go up against the magic boys. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about what we are expecting to see and what should hopefully be um, a a bit of a tune-up match. Um, Maybe shake off the rest of the international break rust. Maybe shake off a few of the things that went wrong against United. Get some uh, rotation in, maybe some youth players, all that sort of stuff. Let's talk a bit about what you expect to see. And go ahead and get that scoreline prediction in there. And we'll start once again with you, Alex Level. Um, if Salah is fit enough, which it kind of doesn't seem like will happen, but if he is, I expect him to play only about 30 minutes um, with an eye on Spurs coming up at the weekend. But really expect the front three and the back four to look about the same. Maybe Joe Gomez comes in for Trent at right back just to give him a rest. But I think we'll see some changes up in the midfield. We could even see the three that ended the United match starting or maybe bringing in Milner, Ox, Naby, Lalana, some combination of those and playing more of a flat three in midfield. Uh, uh, just to make it good this year. Uh, I've, I've mentioned before they've lost some of their players. I know they've brought in some good youth players, but it's taking a little while for them to gel. Uh, and I failed to mention that they lost the coach that led them to that title. He went to Club Bruges and was a big reason why they were able to get a result at the Bernabeu. So they, they're definitely going through a period of transition. They've got some good players, but – we should be better than them. I know they got the results against Napoli at home and we're playing them at their place. So it won't be easy, but we are better than them and we should be pissed off that we did not beat our biggest rivals when they're not very good. So I'm expecting a big 
response from the team and everyone that comes in to be able to say we're better than how we looked against this mid-table team. We can do more than just make our outside backs cross. So I, I'm expecting us to be a lot more on it, especially with rotations, because the people won't be as tired. You just mentioned being pissed at not being able to beat our biggest rivals. When United goes to Anfield later on, do you think we're going to score like 12 goals against them? I just feel like I want to say be... yes, but we never do. That's true, but I just feel like there's going to be so much motivation. Anyway, Alex, do you have a did you have a scoreline prediction? Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be two nil. And I think it's going to be two crosses that are mishit that go in the goal. <laughs> One from each side. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> just just what we want. <laughs> just how we drew up. Andrew, give me a, give us your thoughts and your scoreline prediction. Um, my thoughts are that this is a must win Champions League game. We've been uh, pretty solid at winning these when it when it comes down to it. So I think we should we should easily control it. We're a much better team. I hope to see some of the players that came in in the second half against Man U give that midfield a rest. Maybe get a little James Milner. Hopefully, you know, score five mm-hmm. or six, maybe a, a penalty from our boy. And uh, do you think that James Milner is going to score five or six? Is that what you just said? <laughs> well, I meant the team, and, and maybe he maybe he can get like four or five. <laughs> <laughs> if we score six, most will score five. I'll right. That, that yeah. makes yeah, that makes sense. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder after not making the the short list. Oh, for sure. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially he, he just wrote a book. I mean, that's pretty impressive. A whole book. That's a lot of pages and a lot of words. It is. <laughs> James Milner, the the only Liverpool player to not make the shortlist, so I'm sure he's pissed. That's the review on the inside cover. <laughs> <laughs> James Milner didn't make the shortlist, and he wrote a whole book. Um, this is a lot of pages and a lot of words. And a lot of words. I, I just as a side I, note, I, Sam Darnold, the Jets just threw yeah, another interception. Yeah, just another. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's so bad. Um. So I think we will win. I hope it's five or six, but I think we'll win. Uh, three nothing. I I think we should go out and be pretty confident in this one. But I'm confident, so we won't. <laughs> that's how it goes all right zach how about you um <clears throat> as far as thoughts go it's probably not much i could say that hasn't already been said we got to win this we got to win it convincingly i'm gonna say 4-1 Ooh. also i do not know what's happening in my voice but it's awfully gravelly it's a little <laughs> it's a little sexual i mean i won't lie yeah, you know it's it's a, it's being a, it's a bit of a turn on <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah. and, and not for Andrew, my hey, bad. baby. Shouldn't have spoken for. Oh well. All right. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> the charm is lost. You know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and say goodbye to Zach. We're just gonna go ahead and end his time here <laughs> okay, on the podcast. Then, you know, it just just seems like it seems appropriate. <laughs> He's losing it. <laughs> yeah, I just saw this new platform. You put me backstage, and I was like, I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know how to get out of here. I'm in prison. Isn't it nice? 
the prison mm-hmm. that is. It's a private prison. All right. Um, yeah, I think this has to be. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like there could be enough rotation in it where maybe it ends up being like a four to one sort of uh, victory. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go four to one. A good amount of goals, but something's going to happen. We're just going to you know, just give something up. So it just kind of seems to be what we like to do, I guess, uh, sometimes this this whole season. Um, but it is good to see Allison back, you know. Didn't really mention that earlier. Was good to see him back in action. So, gentlemen, I believe that does it on this episode. How you feeling? Are you guys you guys feeling okay? You all you all look very serious right now. Hey, There's a game. lot going on in our group text. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to hey, catch yeah. up. We're recording. We're texting. It's just all over the place. It's chaos. Yeah. But all right, that is going to wrap things up on this episode of You'll Never Talk Alone. Uh, we appreciate you, listener, coming on uh, and joining us in this episode here. Um, be sure to, if you have not, um, left a review of the podcast on whatever podcast prod- platform you listen to. Sure, we're going to go with that. Uh, be it iTunes, Google Play Music, whatever it is that you use. Leave us a review. Share it with other Liverpool friends you have that you know you might enjoy this podcast. As well, um, you know, we, uh, we don't really do anything with our YouTube channel. We do have a YouTube channel. And with that, we're in the talks of trying to uh, plan some live streaming discussions um, about Liverpool-related topics on the YouTube channel. So uh, pay attention to our Twitter account, YNTA Podcast. That's where we'll have links out for any of the important things moving forward. We'll keep you all posted on that. Woo! I'm your friend, Smash Joseph that Craig. like button. Smash that like button. Smash it. Subscribe. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Zach. And as always, Andrew, sign us out. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. But, baby, I got you pegged. Ha, 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 ha. But I don't know what to do with those toss salads and scrambled eggs. What are they doing, eh? They're calling again. Bum, bum, bum. bum. Frazier has left the building. Thank you. Scrambled eggs all over my face.